stockings are hung, the tree is alight, and the covers and candles are a heartwarming sight. Just like countless Christmases before, you and your loved ones are crowded on the couch. Fuzzy socks, PJs, and warm hot chocolate in hand, getting ready to watch your favorite holiday films. The cares of the world are as distant as the cold creeping outside. A cozy picture, is it not? For many families, this is exactly what Christmas looks like. However, the oft-neglected fact is that there are many others who do not get this joyful evening. In fact, for many, Christmas is the hardest time of the year. This picture-perfect Christmas is even reinforced by the very films families gather around to watch. Moreover, these films often share a common theme by emphasizing a holiday that is about family and merrymaking. However, if this is what Christmas is about, what are the thousands of people who don't have either privilege supposed to do? Is Christmas for them? Welcome to today's episode of the Three Scrooges Podcast. I am your co-host, Cooper Johnson, and I will be joined by Nathan Turner. As always, a special thank you to Mariah Hall, whose audio production skills make this podcast available and accessible for listeners like you. wonderful evening to be joined by you as we try to figure out this question of what are Christmas movies about and what is Christmas about and what do these movies tell us about the meaning of Christmas. So uh, diving into that, let's talk about how the Grinch stole Christmas. Let's do it. So in the Grinch, we see Whoville people, the Who's one might say, people that are happy, joyful, and full of spirit, somewhat boasting in the way that they're so happy and that you're not as happy as me because look at my Christmas lights and all these different things. So we see the Grinch in light of that, and he is this lonely figure living inside of his cave, right? And how did this happen? We look back to his childhood. He grew up in Whoville, and the Who's are all inclusive, and they are welcoming of all community except for the green and the hairy and the hateful. So we see the Grinch. He's hateful. He's angry, you know? And we see this evolution, transition from a more materialistic Christmas that is based around presents, gift giving, and all these different traditions and superficial ideas from the Who's to more of a relationship, family, community-based ritual tradition, I guess you could say. Uh, Shout out to Cindy Lou Who. She was the vehicle for this idea. Queen. Yeah, so it turned turned into this more community-based idea. In the end, when they were singing their song around the Christmas tree or whatever, and they didn't have any presents, they said something like, Christmas will be Christmas as long as we have we. Mm. Cheer to all Who's, cheer to all Who's, far and near Christmas Day is in our grasp, so long as we have hands to clasp. This is a beautiful picture, right? Family, yeah. and this is what we were thinking about when we were sitting around the campfire. It rhymes. Campfire. It must be true. It's beautiful. But then the question appears, what if we don't have we? What if we don't have any hands to clasp? Yeah, you're, like, you're looking at this movie. It's about this outsider, the Grinch. He's off all alone. He's miserly. But moreover, he's hurting. He's not to, to blame, so to speak, for what happened. This was this terrible group that wanted him to, to fit what they had. And right. and even then, we see at the end, like the Grinch is the one who changes the most. It's not so much the, the group. It's like, oh, just join we, and then everything will be okay. So Christmas for the Grinch, it's about conforming to the group. It's about setting aside all these 
um, legitimate grievances he had against these very bigoted Who's. The only person that, that really reached out to him was Cindy Lou Who, so again, props to the, our, our queen. But again, that's not the, the message that the audience is left with. What, what we think of whenever we're thinking about the Who's, it's like, oh, yes, it's about we. Um, as long as we have we, we're doing it right, and for families that are sitting around a, a warm couch and with, with plenty of blankets and hot cocoa, it's like, ah, we have we, we've done it right. We don't have anything that we have to do. It's not so much about a, a message of going out and finding the outcasts and bringing them in as, as much as it is, oh, you, you outcasts out there, you guys have a problem. You're the ones who are miserly. You're the ones that don't want to join our jubilant throng of, of exaltation and hubilation. And really, that's that's kind of the, the message that we're getting. It's about family, and it's about people who aren't wanting to engage with that family. They're the ones who are in the wrong. There's not really any kind of, I guess, condemnation for the, the way that those groups are acting. So yeah, that's kind of the, the message that we're, we're left with when it comes to how the, the Grinch stole Christmas. I think the Grinch is a beautiful, beautiful example of what we're trying to elaborate on here. But I think, I don't think this is the only Christmas movie that has this message and I think another one includes Home Alone um, and we see where Kevin's at home and um, they're all away right and the mom figures out that Kevin is left at home and she tries to do everything she can to get back to Kevin she would do anything to get back to Kevin and right this isn't necessarily bad for a mother to be with her son on Christmas yeah. this is what everybody yeah. but again that's not the point of the movie is it right I think in an underlying message is this um, kind of clamoring, doing whatever it takes to yeah. be with family. That is the goal. That is the right. mountaintop that we must ascend in order to successfully do Christmas. That's the gold standard, being home with family. That's kind of the, the summary of the first movie. The second movie's also got some wacky things going on, too, because Kevin messes up again. Mm -hmm whole Christmas pageant goes kaplooey. So Kevin messed up um, family get-together. He did it again. He's also done a lot of terrible things in, in his view, a lot of misdeeds, and he meets this wonderful sage in the park. So he converses with this pigeon lady, and he confesses his sins and gets the therapeutic this is what you got to do. This is kind of a feel-good thing. And what she says, well, you got to do a, a good deed to make up for your bad deeds. And Kevin's like, oh, wait, I can't possibly do enough good to make up for the bad. And she's like, ah. It's Christmas it, Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Good deeds count for extra. Kevin is given a message that he needs to pull up his bootstraps and, and do the good things that need to be done in order to reconcile with a family and, and make all things right in the world. So again, it's that family theme, but then there's this added layer of we have to work for it. We have to earn it. It's our responsibility to make it happen. So yeah, there's kind of a common theme there, but with something that I think we can already kind of detect has a little bit of uh, nefarious underpinnings, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would say so. You know, yeah. kind of this idea of Pelagianism, that there is good inside of us. We just need to bring it out. So yeah. we see this story in this message. We see that we just need to be good, right? Yeah. After the pigeon lady says all this, she says, tonight, just follow the star in your heart. And that kind of relates back to the real Christmas story where it says, no, don't follow your heart, follow the star that leads a, that leads you to a savior in an actual place, Bethlehem. And he came to ironically save your corrupt and wicked heart. So. Yeah. The, the star leads you to the person that's going to do all the things that you need to do so that you don't have to do it. Rather, right. you're just kind of receiving those doings. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, there's an interesting play on that, but kind of on that theme of nefarious underpinnings. How about it's a wonderful life? Mm. Is it so wonderful after all? Let's let's find out. So this beloved film that centers around this character, George Bailey, a bit melancholy, down in the spirits around Christmas time, things aren't quite going his way. Just kind of has a downcast soul. His family as much as they dote upon him, understand this and recognize this. And so they are praying for him. Those prayers are heard in heaven. And so heaven sends down Clarence, the angel who is trying to earn his wings. Again, it just kind of takes, the the story takes you through this uh, whole narrative of George's life and what things would be like if he wasn't around. George is, is suicidal. He's He's at a bridge and he's willing and ready to just give up on it all. And so the angel is there to save him in a very literal sense. And so, again, it's recounting his journey throughout his life, um, what things would have happened differently if he wasn't around, and really how much good in the world he's done. And ultimately, George is saved. He realizes that he does have a wonderful life after all, but that's not what the movie ends with. Rather, there's a message from Clarence, and it reads... um, He says, remember, George... No man is a failure that has friends. So basically, you're a failure if you're lonely. If being a failure is is something that is tied in George's case to suicide, then his reason for not killing himself is that he has family, and that's kind of what we're left with. And again, we have that feel-good story of like, ah, yes, we all have our family. We're cozy. We have, again, ascended that mountaintop of what the meaning of Christmas is, and we have done the things correctly. The gospel, in this sense, is if you have family, you get it, right? That's what yeah. that's what Christmas is all about. Yeah. But I think we can look and see that this is not the reality for a lot of people in America. Yeah. There's so many families that are sitting around fires, but again, as we mentioned, that's not the the story for for everyone by any means. We did some research, and uh, on an article by YouGov America, it shows that in 2020, 11% of U.S. adults spent the holidays by themselves. That's a lot. That's about. 30 million, if you extrapolated it perfectly, now that, that you can't yeah. do that with polling per se, but even if it's just half that, that's still millions of people that are alone on this holiday that is supposedly, according to these movies, about family. So that polling is just kind of the, the average family. Um, there certainly would have been a group that would have been underrepresented in that total, and, and that's the homeless population. And so we dug up some statistics on that, and apparently data shows that about one in four people who are homeless will be spending the holidays alone on Christmas. And moreover, like the, the holidays themselves on the on homeless populations are tremendously hard because we think about, ah, Christmas is our day off, and that's kind of the extent to which we think about Christmas. But Christmas being the majority of people's day off means that essential services for people that are homeless that they rely on, those are no longer accessible. Um, right. Whether it be soup kitchens or, or other valuable resources, those are closed. It's the holidays. And so this holiday is tremendously hard on on many people. And so taking that back to this theme that we're seeing in these movies of, well, you need to change if you're the outcast in order to become part of the group, or the meaning of Christmas is about family, or in order to get that ideal Christmas, you have to do some good things to make up for the bad things you've done. When we look and try to apply that meaning to this population, what we see is that this is alienating 
they can't tap into the meaning of Christmas. Christmas largely isn't for them because the very hard fact of the matter is that many people who are homeless don't have family in in any real sense that they can turn to on the holidays. That safety net has given way and they are now unable to um, do anything else. If that's what Christmas is about, um, then Christmas surely isn't for everybody, is it? Yes, I think a lot of Christmas movies have a line in there at the end, this is the reason for Christmas. This is what it really means for Christmas. And, you know, it is different. Maybe that's joy. Maybe that's generosity. Maybe that is family. But in all these ways, um, especially family, I think it's exclusive. Yeah. And exclusive in a way that it doesn't have to be because let's think about Christmas for a second. Christ is in the name. There seems to be a logical reason to think that it should be oriented around Jesus. So when we think about the ordinary narrative of Jesus being born, you have the theme of the incarnation, you have the theme of the one who has come to do what is necessary for everybody else. You kind of have those themes converging into to one story and I think that when we try to synthesize a meaning of Christmas, especially in relating it to who can access it, I think right. that we, we may quite possibly find a meaning of Christmas that doesn't have these same problems. So how can we get to a better meaning for Christmas, something that doesn't have these kinds of problems? Right. A lot of Christmas movies, you know, differing in their messages, but, you know, fill in the blank, this is the reason... For Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. Whether that's joy, whether that's generosity, family, or doing good. I think, I don't know, I think those are all just, uh, in a sense, superficial and there's still a void in there. Relating back to the, the real Christmas story, I think there is a somewhat deeper and bigger message than what we are viewing mm. in these Christmas movies, right? So doing good in a sense, this still has a void, right? Because when you think about it, just like Kevin, we have done a lot more bad than good. And I don't think those good those, those good deeds can always cancel out just because it's Christmas Eve. They don't count extra. Um, That's so, a bit arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So Christ was born to fulfill the law and to be the only good and righteous person. So he did what we couldn't do, and he lived mm. the perfect life to become that ultimate sacrifice for our bad deeds so we wouldn't have to worry about being good or being joyful or having family and what all these other messages and ideologies that these Christmas movies entail. That's not the, the only theme in the Christmas story by any means. The, the big one is the incarnation. Classical Orthodox Christian theology thinks of it in terms of you have humanity, you have something that is a human nature, and then you have God himself uniting himself to that nature. And, and that's something that's common to everyone because we're all humans. Um, so if, if Christ became human, then he became one of us. And that's something that anyone, no matter where they are, can say, Christ became right. one with me, one of me. So that's a, a very inclusionary right. um, meaning for Christmas. That's something that anybody, anywhere, at any time can say, that is true for me. And it's not in the sense of working for it. It's just receiving it as a gift, as it as it's supposed to be. The The biggest gift um, in the Christmas story isn't those of the three wise men. It's the gift that God gave to us to receive in the, the form of God made flesh. 
so that he could dwell amongst us. And that is an inclusive us. Christ dwelt with humanity in general, and humanity in general can look to this story and and say, yes, that's something that I can tap into. That's a a message that I can um, dwell on, that I can meditate on during this Christmas season, even when all the things around me are pigeon poop, I can still look to this shining star, not in my own heart, but somewhere else that is guiding me to real peace, real comfort, a comfort that transcends whatever circumstances I'm facing. And it's a a message that is a rebuke, I would say, of this cozy-spirited, let's just focus on me and my family messaging of the holiday season to rather reorient ourselves around this idea, well, God literally became flesh. He, He humbled himself to become flesh, and he humbled himself to go out to the outcasts. And so if that is the expectation, then shouldn't that be the expectation of us? So again, kind of doing what how the Grinch stole Christmas could have done, but actually leaving us with this weight and this burden of we need to be mindful of the outcasts. We need to be mindful of those who don't have this same picture-perfect Christmas. And I think in conclusion, right, you said something about this gift is far more than things that Christmas has to offer. Now that could be gifts, that could be sausage balls or family, friends, right? If you look at it, if you look on the cross... At Christ's most victorious moment, he was alone. He was forsaken, and his friends were nowhere to be found, right? So I don't think this message pertains to friends or any of these things, but it's really salvation. Yeah. So, final verdict, would we say that Christmas movies generally are a humbug? I concur. So I guess um, we'll close, since we have the verdict, with um, the way we end this podcast every time, with a... Bah! Humbug. Humbug.